When the Utah Jazz win, you win with Little Caesars. And on July 9th, you'll win when the Jazz get going in Florida and when the Zone Sports Network is at Little Caesars in Vineyard. Join the big show from 2 to 7 at 554 North Mill Road in Vineyard. PK, today is the day the Jazz get on the plane and fly to Florida. So, have a little quarantine, but they'll have workouts and they'll have scrimmages in the first game, July 30th. And we will get to the Jazz coming up in our next segment. ESPN's got a big story on the Jazz and Gobert and Mitchell. So, we'll get to that coming up uh, next. We were just talking about the Pac-12. You got a gut instinct on what they, or, or maybe an informed instinct on what uh, the Pac-12 was thinking about the commissioner because they're at a point where they could extend the contract, they could buy it out, they could just wait, and when it's up, renegotiate. They, they're they at the point, you know, a few years ago, you just kind of had to buckle up and roll with it. But they're getting to the point now where they're, they not only have options, uh, they're going to have to pick one of them. Yes, they are. I think it's due in 2022, so it's two years from now, literally. I think he's running on the fiscal year, his contract, not sure about that, but I think that's what it is. But anyway, it's 2022, and I think that the key here is that, which happens to a fair degree, the people who hire you, they're no longer there. Yep. I, I think only two of the folks that were in on that are still there in, in the Pac-12, so that doesn't bode well. My guess is that there's some type of change. There needs to be some type of structural change, unless they can hit it out of the park. You know, what do they believe as far as what he can negotiate television-wise? Because then that's up in 2024. So the idea being that you have somebody in place that if you want to make a change, that you give that person time to get the lay of the law and the landscape and everything and then goes into the negotiations with the TV or whatever it might be, all the different uh, media forms that will be available in just a couple of years, two, three years, might be different, probably will be different to one degree or another, to what extent remains to be seen, but it will be different. And so what do they do as far as that goes? And do they want somebody who's more savvy and who can deliver? Because the fact is that the the promises that were made haven't been delivered as we've spoken about. So do they want to go in a different direction? My gut tells me that they will. Go in a different direction. Yes. they'll, they'll, They'll make some form of a change. There'll be some new... Uh, a new st- uh, new star that comes along, and they'll be infatuated with whoever that person might be. I'm not sure uh, who that would be. You know, obviously, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that they've even consider considered that. Uh, but they go in that direction when they decide to to make a change. Whether they buy him out or not, I think that that I can't answer that. I don't know that that's going to happen, but we're getting closer to where that would not be that as much of a deal. I wonder, would they have dramatic change? You know, would they turn around and pull out of the Bay Area and go in that direction to where they're going to they're going to just be drastically different? You know what I mean? Would they would they do that? That would that would be bold. Because to pay all this rent that they're paying when you're not making the money, and money, you know, you talk about changes that are going to be maintained. We've had changes in life now, big time, because of the COVID deal. Mm -hmm. And which of those things would stick? 
money clearly is going to be, it always is an issue, but it's probably going to be a an issue even more. So when they pull out of the Bay Area and go to well, any number of places that could be cheaper, I don't think you can go to Pullman. It's not practical. Phoenix you know I mean? or Salt Lake? Uh, yeah, I mean, anywhere in the conference, even Los Angeles, for that matter, is cheaper than the Bay Area. <laughs> and, and Seattle's pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, the, they, they would be cheaper than those. I don't know that you can go to Seattle either, just, it's just no. geographically, because that is way up there compared to some other places. You know, and if you're in... If you're in the Phoenix area, well, you know, you got a whole bunch of schools that are what two hours tops by plane. Tops. So, you know, they'll be able to, to do that. So I, I think they're gonna have to make changes unless Larry can sell them on, hey, I got this. You know, and all this stuff that's out there, just Hulu, for instance, you know, as as a media form. I'm all over this, man. I've been working on this for years, and this is going to be our time. So don't make a change now because this is the most important. You know how every election, the the group that isn't in power. This is the most important (laughs) election of our time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we hear that every four years. Whoever is in power, you know, this is going to decide the very life that we live. You know what I mean? That you go along those, you hear that all the time. So if Larry can sell them on that, then maybe he stays. That would be awesome for whether you're, it's, you know, uh, video or, or, you know, print, you know, web-based to pull a quote from somebody every four years, or in the case of TV, to pull video of, you know, some politician. They must have, this is the most, and just stack them all and just put the date there, and that'd be hilarious. Right, and they say that all the time, but it's politics. That's why I'm not in, into politics. But this contract is huge for the conference for a decade. We've been reading the right, headlines right, here, right. And, and we get into more of the financial stuff because we've had less of the games. But you think recently... Uh, under Armour wanting to get out of the deals with first UCLA and then Cal. You think of the empty stadiums we saw last season at Stanford and at UCLA. Uh, we read about the debt that some of these schools have taken on uh, because everybody's been doing facilities and some of them Cal. pay for them, but some of them Cal noticeably has taken on a lot of debt. So you can see where there's a couple votes for you know not buying them out. And I think you're a hundred percent spot on. If he, you know, if if someone's if, if one of the executives from whatever campus, you know, whatever school president or AD, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, well, this isn't going well. And, you know, you just write a number on a paper and go, does that number look like the ballpark you want to be in? Because that's what I'm talking to people about. And I'm not going to tell you who I'm talking to it about. I'm going to tell you what network. If I'm not here, you're not getting that number. But I've been working on that. You like that number? Right, and I think he has the opportunity to do that because he obviously sold them in the first place. Now it's a different group of people. Yeah, but but, but the first they're like minded, and he sold them on it. Yeah, and the first contract they celebrated it. They saw the new number. Oh, now the sure, number yeah. didn't grow year to year the way they expected. That's where the major disappointment is. Uh-huh. But that first year, it, I mean, the Utes were thrilled because they were coming into the conference, so they were moving from a Mountain West number to a Pac-12 number. Plus, the Pac-12 number was growing. But the Pac-12 in the you know, it's, don't go to the revisionist history here. The first year, the second year, man, he was the toast of the town. That was a great number. Now, by the time you get to year five and six and it's not growing, the mood's changing. You know, it's changing big time. But that first year or two, 
He, he was the guy, man. He delivered. People were thrilled. Is he about to deliver like that in 2024? And there are plenty of people who will be like, who cares what he says in 2022 to get another contract? He'll say anything to get a contract. He can't deliver. You know, that is definitely out there. How much school presidents buy it? I've got, I got no idea. Right. I don't know either. But he's going to have to campaign to keep his job. It would be apparent I think he's gonna right have to, now. I think he's going to have to promise a number. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, the money talks and you know what walks. And that's why I do a lot of walking. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got to deliver it because it, the campus is really needed when you're getting squeezed because of attendance, when you're getting squeezed because of the contract that you've got with your, you know, whatever apparel shoe company you're partnered with. And you're getting squeezed because the Big Ten and the SEC are on a dead financial sprint and pulling away and could just hire your coaches. I mean, we were just going through, I was just listening, you know, Stanford and Cal and, and UCLA and the financial pressure they're all feeling. What do you think they're feeling at Colorado? They hired a coach. They've been down for a while. They think this guy's going to do it. His first year was, you know, okay, it was an all right first year. You're trending in the right way. There's some good stuff around recruiting. Maybe it'll pay off. Maybe it won't. There's a little energy. And he's talking to boosters on a, on a Friday and on a Saturday, and he's gone on a Sunday to Michigan State, to the Big Ten, because they got all that money, and they can afford it. That's hey, he went five sting. and seven, man. Come yeah, on. That's got a sting. And Colorado's like, we're starting over again? Yeah, I think it's more than a sting. I mean, I think it's a... Th- Third degree burn, whatever is first degree okay. better than third degree. I don't know. However, that works. Yeah, I think that that was that was a gut punch for those guys over there. Uh, there's just no doubt about that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know what what is their mindset? You know, now that they've gotten into it and they realize uh, you know games starting so late and things are against them being on the left coast and all that, we've started to hear ADs sell what they can sell because everybody's selling something. And what they're selling is this comprehensive athletic conference. You know, we don't just put everything 80, 90% into football. We're a comprehensive athletic conference. You know, the conference of champions, that's how they can get away with it because Stanford wins 50 a year and all the other stuff that they do. Uh, with all the other the women's sports and the non-revenue sports and the men's and the the conference is really good at that. There's no question about that stuff. Those are facts. That's they just roll up the NCAA titles and all those other sports left and right every single year. But I'm wondering, you know, they sell that big time because that's what they can sell right now, and it's the start of a way. Yeah, well, don't just don't don't just look over here at football and men's basketball. Look over here at uh, women's track and field and golf and blah, 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 that they do, they do so well on, you know, and the weather allows them to a good degree to, to have certain advantages there because many of the conference schools are in pretty good weather year-round. So will they change that? We get somebody in there and say, yeah, that's all nice and all, but let's deal with reality. The, most of the people who care about those sports are the participants and the participants' families. And that's about it. <laughs> that sounds really good. If it's it's a lot like a, it's a lot like a, a Thanksgiving dinner. You want all those other side dishes, but if you burn the turkey to a crisp, the thing's ruined. And football well, that, is the end, turkey. And you end up the, going to a Chinese restaurant and they cut the head <laughs> off a duck. You know what I mean? You are correct. <laughs> 
So how close is the league to getting it back? Because it looks like Oregon with all the recruiting, all the four stars. I mean, man, you open up Twitter and every week it seems like they get another big commitment. It seems like Oregon's getting to where the conference needs them to be. And USC, if they get to where the conference needs to be, and then if you have good storylines and competence around those two programs. Now, Washington had it going. They've just had the coaching change, right? Utah's having a good run here. Herm Edwards hasn't won a lot, but has brought a lot of sizzled Arizona State. If you've got all of that around USC and Oregon on top of their game, great. But if USC and Oregon yeah. are down, I mean, look what these conferences are, man. It, it Alabama, you know, and then our LSU, Florida, and Georgia, and Auburn, good around Bama. Ohio State is Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin. Are they good around Ohio State? You can kind of see the model for the Pac-12, but how much of the malaise for football is on the commissioner for the money, and how much is USC and Oregon, who've got the advantages, who should be the big dogs, because it's not a level playing field. You know, if you're as good as you can be, Whatever coach, you know, coaching staff, you know, you like. If you're as good as you can be at Utah or Arizona State or Stanford or wherever, and you're as good as you can be at Oregon or SC, who's better most times? Who's better yeah, seven but, years out of the problem is The problem is the conference isn't, is, it, it is more level than the other conferences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what happens is you get somebody who equates to, a four and five team in the SEC. There's no way, and you know what, they're beating a team that's at the top. Well, in the Pac-12, you're do. going to have that. And the and the other thing is because the Big Ten and the uh, SEC and the ACC have gone to fourteen, their big dogs don't all play each other, so they can have more they teams play there games. on one or two losses. Yeah, but when they're only playing eight, and you got the eight spread across fourteen. Georgia's great, LSU's great, Florida's great, Auburn's great. Yeah, well, how many of those teams play each other every year? They don't, and then in the middle of November, they they schedule Citadel to get yourself healthy for the Iron Bowl. Yep. We don't do that out here. What we do in the week, uh, the penultimate week of the conference, which is next to last, you fans, what we do is we schedule Oregon at Arizona State and, and wreck they chuck everything. The, yeah, and which is essentially everything. what they did. They not only wrecked Oregon's chances, they basically hurt Utah's chances because everybody was counting on two teams with one loss going into the Pac title game, and there'd be no doubt then that the winner would be get in. in. Right. Well, Utah goes in with one. Oregon's got two. Well, then Oregon beats Utah, as we know. So then nobody goes. Here we are again. So I don't know that that's ever going to change. I mean, I, I looked it up last year. I don't have the numbers. Since the conference has gone to the 12, there's not been one 9-0 and team. Right. And there's been like six in the SEC that have gone undefeated. I'm not comparing the top to the top. I'm comparing the middle to the middle and the bottom to the bottom. And you, you get somebody, and I don't know what will happen now with Washington State. I assume they'll still continue to throw the ball. It'll look a little yeah. bit different. But, man, when you're chucking the ball like that, we saw it a couple years back when the Utes went up to Washington State, and they kept chucking the ball. Well, I don't know what the percentages were, but they hit on a couple of plays, and, and, they, and the Utes get out of there with a loss. 
And they should. And they had a bunch of penalties, and they just really just shot themselves in the foot, as they say. And but they should have won that game. But you, you hit on a couple of bombs. You got a missed tackle. Boom! A blown one, blown little coverage. What do you know? You got a touchdown. They lose that game. That just doesn't seem to happen in the other conferences. So the parity in the Pac-12, I think, is part of the issue as to why they're not getting teams in there. And Oregon had a pretty good team last year. And they won the Rose Bowl, didn't they? Who'd they beat? They beat Wisconsin? Yeah, 2027. Uh, yeah, and so that was a nice win. And who who did they lose? Was it Auburn? Was that the first game they yeah, lost? they lost to Auburn right at the end. And see, that's, that's the thing if you talk to people. We could get Chris Hill on and talk about this because he sat in those meetings for years, so he's heard this. You know, we need to schedule big games for our TV contract. Yes, but when you schedule those big games – if you're guaranteed one league loss because nobody goes 9-0 and and you lose a big non-conference game, you got two and you're out of the playoffs. I mean, I've talked to Chris off the air about this. I know what he's going to say. You've probably talked to him too. You probably know what he's going to say. And you look at USC and yes, the pressure's on the coach and yes, he's got to deliver. But who else in the country is playing nine conference games in a balanced league and opening the season with Alabama in a neutral field and closing the season with Notre Dame. I don't care how good USC is. They're losing two games this year. Their coaches could be great. They're going to lose two games this year. It's going to happen. They might lose three, but they're certainly going to lose two. They're not going to be undefeated or one loss to the playoffs, and they could be a really good team. But if you open with Alabama and you close with Notre Dame, and those programs aren't just names. They've both got it going now. And in between, you play nine league games? Right, yeah, yeah, and you don't play oh, I mean, uh, lower Clay Elton can't complain because he knew he was signing off on the nine league games in the Notre Dame. He didn't know he signed off in Alabama. So you know it's a high bar at USC. But this year, they've ratcheted it up even higher. This is crazy. This is not a schedule built to get SC back to where SC needs to be the same way Oklahoma needs to be there for the Big 12 and Bama needs to be there for the SEC and Ohio State needs to be there for the Big Ten, and and now it's Clemson needs to be there over the last five years. Not historically, but over the last five years, Clemson needs to be there for the ACC, and going yeah. forward, they need to be there. Uh, and USC needs to be that, but when you hand USC that schedule, and then it's going to be is the Pac-12 in the playoff, and then they're going to look at the TV contract, and it's all going to fall on the commission. Well, let's see, but that's <laughs> where I think the commissioner has to sell them on not just what he can do for the conference, but what is going to go forward as far as the playoff. Because if they get to the A team and you win your conference you're in, then that stuff is off the table. And, you know, that's part of the package that I think he's going to try to sell. I think we're as we go more into financial crunches, just use that as a word, I think that then college football is going to have to take a step back and say, hey, this playoff, man, we are literally leaving millions on the table every year. We can no longer afford to do that, particularly, too, if they start doing away with this idea of this is exclusively a student-athlete. And that's a bunch of bull. These kids, are they're student-athletes because uh, they're forced. Not all of them. Some of them are serious about academics, obviously. But, you know, the old uh, the backup quarterback who won the title for uh, – Ohio State, you know, we didn't we didn't come here to play school. Uh, if we're going to give them money, if they can get money through their imaging and all that stuff, that reduces the hypocrisy of questions for the student athletes. No, 
It's questions for the guys who are getting paid. So then, therefore, you can more legitimately go with a playoff and not leave those millions out on the table because these kids are getting paid. DJ and PK, ESPN with a big story on uh, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Uh, some stuff we know, some of you may have actually seen. It's new to the national audience, but some of you might be, ha ha, I remember that moment. Uh, but there's also some behind-the-scenes stuff as the Jazz have some uh, unnamed people opening up to the national media and talking about stuff they don't normally talk about. We'll get to that coming up next. Stay with us. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz scheduled to leave today for Florida and the NBA restart in Orlando. Lakers center Dwight Howard announced he will play in the NBA restart. He'll donate his salary from the games in Orlando, approximately $700,000, to his charitable initiative, Breathe Again. The Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown, and the Philadelphia 76ers, Mike Scott, among the players who are saying they are disappointed with the list of phrases they've been given that they may put on the backs of their jerseys when the NBA restarts in Orlando. Scott also adds, that was terrible, but I'm all about just doing instead of saying and posting or putting something on the back of your jersey. I don't think that's going to stop anything, you know? Your Back to Basketball update is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. He's the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, Tom Wistersill. The next four weeks might be the most important four weeks in college sports history. You know, we saw the huge hit that happened for every conference at every school when we had to cancel the NCAA basketball tournament. And that's a huge hit for all basketball playing schools, which is every school. Now you head into football, which, you know, for over half of the football program in all of Division One is the primary revenue driver. And anything that affects that has a dramatic effect on the entire enterprise of college sports. You know, if people want to watch college football this fall, we really have to take this serious and we got to find a way to slow down and to stop the trend. Or, uh, you know, a month from now, we could really, really be in a heap of trouble. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zerez. A clean home is a healthy home, and right now Zerez is cleaning carpets for $33 per room. Mention DJ and PK when you call and get a fourth room clean for free. Call Zerez today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. So, PK, there is a massive story. How many words is that? Is that 10,000 words? There's a big story on ESPN.com. Tim McMahon, ESPN staff writer, posted it, and you're like, I didn't see it last night before I went to bed. Yeah, well, neither did I. That's because it got posted at 4.37 in the morning. It came out (laughs) bright and early It's good, though. It's good. uh, Tim McMahon did a good job of this. Uh, He was was given access that not everybody gets. He's got quotes at length from Gobert, not so much from uh, Mitchell. There are a lot of takeaways in this, PK. Where would you like to jump in? There's some stuff we know that's new to the national audience. There's some stuff said off the record that you might have heard off the record. I know I have. And I suspect other people in Utah in the media have too, not just us too. Uh, There's also some stuff that uh, I don't think we have heard. And I am curious who spoke off the record and who could be plural. Um, It is plural. And that uh, 
how much of that was okay by the franchise and how much there'll be a desperate search now for who was talking. There's also also stuff on the record here. Uh, Alex Jensen gets mentioned in here because every assistant, every player has an assistant coach they're partnered with. And it's about development and on court stuff. And we sometimes we see a little bit of that at the end of, you know, to shoot around or end of a practice as you come in to talk. You can see people working. You can also see them talking. You know, it's not unusual for Alex to be sitting across the way on a bench talking to Rudy and talking to other players, but primarily Rudy. Uh, but there's also one on one time in the film room. There's time when they when they travel. And so if uh, if you're a hardcore jazz fan, it is definitely worth your time to read this. And it is long, but it's definitely worth your time to read this. Yeah, the reason why Mitchell is not quoted extensively is because he de- he declined an interview. Yep. It's clear that and then the Jazz have been doing what these teleconferences are. Right, that's where they got the, they are. the That's where they got the from. Mitchell quotes. Mm-hmm. But Gobert, it looks like, granted this man an interview. Oh, yeah. And, and so he talks. And then, obviously, the, the author went and talked to some other Jazz people. You know, once, once you use source... Uh, instead of the player, the person's name, it could be anybody. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's literally employed by the Jazz, although it very well could be. I, I don't know when you because there was multiple sources. Yep. But I think the crux of it is what we've known uh, that Gobert wants more shots, and he believes some of those shots that he should be getting come from Mitchell's shots. I mean, that that's the... It, 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 whatever is 5,000... I don't think it was 10,000 words, but uh, 3,000 3, words is, is a long, very long story uh, that would be... In, in print, that would that would be extremely long. I mean, 600 words is about 20 column inches to give you an idea from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I think you have 21 from the top of the page to the bottom of the page with excluding headlines. Uh, it's about 21 inches. So just to give you an idea for people who don't know. So the crux of the story is two things. Gobert wants more shots, and he thinks Mitchell's hogging the ball a little bit. And then Gobert is trying to convince us that he's not that jealous. I think those are the two, that, those are the two things that I took from that. So I think the answer to the second one, which is critical, is both yes and no. No, it can't be yes and no. It can never be yes and no. I think subconsciously he is. Consciously he's trying not to be, but subconsciously and he's trying he to is. convince us. He's trying to convince us yeah. and himself. And that himself. He's not yeah, jealous. I'd go with that. I, I like the way you put that. Yes. He's trying but to But he's worried us about himself. his image too, so he's trying to convince us. Right. That it is about winning. It is about winning. I believe that, and if they do win, nobody has the right to say anything. If if Mitchell takes fifty shots and they win the NBA title, who cares? Well, suck it up. Right? You, yeah. You may care, but shut the bleep up. Yes. No one can complain because Michael right. Jordan took forty-five shots in mm-hmm. Game Six against the Jazz in '98 and only made fifteen of them because he made the two big ones at the end. So who cares that he was thirteen for forty-three? He went two for two at the end and they won the title. Right. And that's all that matters in the end. And you're, you've been able to gravy train that uh, to whatever you were able to look at Steve Kerr, what he's been able to gravy train it to. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's one of the great political leaders of our time, Senator Steve Kerr. Uh, just Is it eight? Ask, I think it's don't, eight don't rings. About China. Eight championships, uh, eight parades for Steve Kerr now as a player and a coach. Three in Chicago, two in San Antonio, and three with the Warriors. Uh, yeah, and it'll be nine when Biden wins, so he'll go to that, <laughs> that parade there. 
so that's the issue there. And Rudy, sp- he spent a lot of time telling us, if you read the thing, no, no, it really doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother. Why don't you start telling me three and four times that it doesn't bother you? Figure it uh, bothers you. Yeah, because <laughs> you're not going to sell. It's just, it's, it's, it'll speak for itself. I don't need to tell you that it doesn't bother me three or four times because I'm not. You, you, no, you're not going to convince anybody of anything. They're going to believe what they believe, and I've learned that through the school of hard knocks. So go ahead and believe what you want to believe. And I'm not trying to convince anybody of any anything that I say. Believe what I say. Believe it or don't. Take it for what it's worth. You don't believe it. I don't care. Uh, but that's the, that's what I read from. That's what we've known. And that there's a little anecdote in there. One of the times when Rudy was spraying, or Donovan was spraying Rudy with water in the walk-off interview, and apparently he mumbled past the GD ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that there's truth to that. That's you're you're being funny, but it, and it went right back to where. And and I gotta say, man, day one or game one of Mitchell in a jazz uni taking all those shots from the beginning and i'm thinking what the heck's going on man? <laughs> right and we, we talked about this this was three years ago and and i wondered how are the veterans viewing this as far as that goes uh to be jacking up all these shots right from the beginning and you're 20 years old and apparently it got under people's skin and it, it, it's only natural that it did and so now Gobert, he wants he wants attention, and he and he's telling us I'm okay with go with Mitchell being having the mural on the wall and getting the shoe contracts and all this. Yeah, you are. Well, as long as you get yours, right. it doesn't appear that Rudy feels like he's getting his. And another thing that jumped at me, that, and I texted you this, that they don't think that uh, there's no point in working with him in his upper body because then he's just going to go post pictures of himself selfie shirtless. Yeah. I mean, and I can tell you, man, work spent a lot of time on my upper body. I love to post topless <laughs> selfies of myself because, yeah, I'm out there working it. You know, if you got a tattoo, you got to show it. What's the point of having it? Same type of thing there. So there's that's th- this is what we get when we have human beings involved. Really, no surprise. We have human beings with real feelings and real emotions, and we have some complication. All right. Now, as I step back from it, I understand it, particularly because I'm older and I can look at the situation without a whole lot of emotion. Do I think that it's unsalvageable? Absolutely not. No, because Rudy does want to win, and Mitchell can help him win, particularly right now. The Jazz are better off with Mitchell than without Mitchell. No one would disagree with that. And unless they were able to trade him for a like-level star, which is virtually impossible, it hardly ever happens that they need Mitchell. And Gobert knows that he needs Mitchell. He wants more shots, but he knows Mitchell. He knows he needs Mitchell. The franchise needs Mitchell. Mitchell can help you win. And Rudy is about winning. So that's why I think this is a completely intotable, totally manageable, workable relationship. To your point about, uh, you know, Gobert wants, uh, you know, more acknowledgement I think the thing that really jumps out in the article, and they delve back into this, they go back to when he teared up when he found out he wasn't on the All-Star team. And then, uh, you know, there's some subsequent quotes from him that still stings. And then they use an unnamed quote that this goes back to Rudy, you know, being a tall, you know, the tall, goofy kid with the glasses 
not fitting in, having to prove himself, having to acknowledge he belongs. It's both good and bad. It's why the first time you talk to him, you sense the drive in him. But that drive, there's a couple quotes in this story where Rudy acknowledges, you know, I'm the bleep. You know, Rudy's got the edge to him and he always pushes, which is great. But pushing all the time makes you the jerk. And he knows he wears on people. And it's kind of implied, although it's not said, he doesn't just wear on Donovan. Now, that's implied, not said, but that was the oh, implication. Yeah. Donovan's I not taking every shot. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he's not. When, when Rudy rolls to the rim and believes he should get the ball, every time that he doesn't get the ball, it's not from Donovan. Yeah, I mean, let's not let's oh, not yeah, just because, dump everything no, no, on Mitchell here. That would be totally unfair to because this young man. Ingles is running pick and rolls. Well, we, and we know Conley's yeah, they, running pick and rolls, and Bogdanovich has the ball and is going to the hoop sometimes. And we know Bogdanovich had the thirty point thirty five point game with zero rebounds and zero assists. And you know, he heard about that in the film room. He heard about that from coaches. And Fortunately, he, they won that game. They did, and he heard about it from Joe Ingles. And he made sure to mention the next game when he had a couple assists. You know, it was. You know, the source of much, uh, uh, the other thing, the source of much joking, um, the other thing, there were other things that came out in this, uh, early on Joe Ingles getting a shout out. So we'll have to talk to him about it on, uh, Thursday, Joe Ingles, I'll read it to you here. Joe Ingles, a respected veteran whose wry sense of humor is often an important element of the jazz's chemistry privately told them several weeks into the hiatus that it would be selfish and hurt their teammates if the stars held grudges against each other. And you remember when he came on and we spoke to him about the unsalvageable and he was like, he scoffed. Yeah, he did scoff. And that's because it's clear that he waded right into the middle of this and directly told both guys what he thought. Well, Joe's a unifier. Joe brings people together. Joe gets along. He'd get along with a dead man. It's just the way Joe is. Weekend, right? at, I mean, weekend at Bernie's with Joe Ingles? <laughs> he could. That's just who Joe is, man. I noticed it right off the bat. I said, this guy is a unique dude. I had no idea he'd be as good as he would be. But at the time, I knew this is somebody that you like to be around. He makes you feel good. So, of course, he's going to be a unifier. Plus, he's 32 years old, and he can look at it. He's nine years older than Mitchell. That's a lot when you're 23 and 32. When you're 59 and 51, maybe, or 50, that isn't a lot. But when you're 32 and 23, I think that's a big age gap. So he's got the experience. And now he has the street cred, too, because he passes the ball. He, In fact, we yell at Joe, shoot the friggin' ball, Joe. So he has the street cred to bring these two together. And it's obvious what he was saying. No one could disagree. Guys, you're going to screw this up if you can't get along. And you don't have three titles like Shaq and Kobe had, so knock it off. We'll get to the Shaq and Kobe comments and uh, what was said and what was, I don't know, well, it was left unsaid in the story, but I got to wonder if it was left unsaid in real life. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show at the Warehouse Friday from 2 to 7 at 86 East University Parkway in Orm. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! 
<laughs> I do it woke like that. me up, man. I do like that part of the read. I'm not going to kid you. It says boom exclamation point. I'm not supposed to go boom. Oh no, no, yeah. I'm. Mean, that's why you're you're the best at these reads, man. Boom. I mean, when you're not there and I have to do them, they just don't resonate. I mean, you do them so but so much better. Yeah, that boom was exactly what they're looking for. Oh, uh, we were discussing Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and the ESPN.com story that was posted at 4.37 this morning, Mountain Time. <laughs> yeah, I got up and read it. Tim McMahon, ESPN staff writer, uh, putting that together. And there's, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Uh, we just hit on some of it in the last segment. Um, you know, they, they bring up the fact that the coaches have brought up the uh, – the Shaq Kobe partnership. Not that these guys, you know, have that talent, right? And not that they've accomplished what those two have accomplished. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> we all hope they do. That whole three P thing. I think Utah could sign off on that pretty quickly. Yep, I'm in line. Make that happen. I'm here for it. Uh, but there's just the the you know the the two guys who come from different places and don't seem to fit together well you can have a working partnership and you can win a lot the way those two you know won a lot but bringing all that up is great do you think they brought up how much they didn't get along and how much they left on the table because they want they had the three p together and Shaq then separately went on to miami and won a fourth title kobe stayed and eventually won the fourth and the fifth title and when he won the fifth title there's film of him saying, you know, Shaq's got four and I got five, something to that effect. That's not the perfect quote. But basically, he was keeping scores years later. But I think you get five years beyond that, and those guys basically, you know, come together and kind of rehash it and realize, man, they, they both left a title or two no, or three, three on I the table. I think they left three. I, left yeah. three. I think they left three out on the table. Right. Uh, for, and there were some financial issues, too that are involved and you know the jazz are going to face those too they get a massive decision with gobert uh next year after this uh 2021 season and what are they going to do you know what uh what are they willing to commit and that's going to be intriguing but that was going to be there irregardless of these these two now it it adds to this Claude, it adds to the soap opera nature of it. But one thing that I've been able to really, really respect, respect about this franchise is they minimize, if not to the point of totally eliminate the soap opera stuff. And they've been really, really good about getting rid of the drama. We're about trying to put the best basketball team that we can put out on the floor to win as many games as we can possibly win. And that, you talk about that culture. I think that's an overused word in sports. But I can say in this case, it fits it well because they're not about drama. They're not interested in drama. You know, every, everybody has it. I mean, you, you take two guys and you, you put two guys that you would think that would have a lot in common. Uh, you, you and I, okay, basically the same age, same race, uh, you, you know, basically the same type of value system. You know, one guy goes over Southern California. Yeah, one guy goes here on Sunday, other guy goes here. We basically have the same values, but yet we bring such different perspectives. So my point is, you take two people anywhere, anytime, put them together, and they're going to have, in many, many cases, I would say the overwhelming 
amount of cases are going to have drastically different experiences. And so sometimes those conflict and then you got to figure out a way to work through them. So it's really not that unusual here in this case. They've got to figure out how to work through them. Now, what does management decide with Gobert? Well, we'll know in a year or so, and it'll be interesting to see how these two work because there's a lot on the line here. And Donovan Mitchell, what are you going to do to get along with this guy? And Gobert, what are you going to do to get along with this guy? Because both of you right now certainly can help each other, and you fill some holes that one has and the other doesn't. And you can, are you going to make it work? I think yes, because of what has been set with the precedent that this is the way we do things. I think that really is going to help these guys, and they're mature enough and understanding enough about all things that are involved to make it work when they get out on the floor. Who cares if they dine with each other, vacation with each other? Doesn't matter. A couple other things in the story I want to hit on uh, real quick. There's an unnamed source who says that the NBA drama level before Gobert and Mitchell, before the Oklahoma City positive COVID tests, was a two of ten. You know, So to kind of categorize, yes, there is drama, but how does it rank with drama you see around the league? Now, the thing is, people in the organization, a lot of them have worked in other organizations so they can gauge this. But because these two guys were both draft day trades, they don't know what a normal level of drama around the NBA is except from their friends around the league. You know, so they hear stories that way, but they haven't been in other locker rooms. It's not a case of, you know, Joe Johnson comes through town, right? Well, he knows because he's played for a handful of NBA teams over the, over the, you know, he had a really long career. So he knows. So I wonder how much what the front office thinks translates to the players because they don't have the same experience. And then the other thing is, uh, I'll read this real quick. Gobert also understands that whether he is right often is irrelevant if the tone and timing of his delivery are off-putting, something frequently stressed by Jazz assistant coach Alex Jensen, whose blunt, direct approach has guided Gobert's development from skinny project to one of the NBA's premier big men. You and I both think Alex is going to get a chance to be a head coach. And so what the Jazz have in place and how it's managed now is you know a product of Dennis and Quinn and the whole staff, but the coaches who are assigned to these players have an outsized influence. So if Alex leaves or if a Johnny Bryant leaves, that can have a big impact because they're having a big impact on the relationship because they're in their ear every day talking about something, right? Talking yeah. after practice, talking during a game, talking in the film room. And when that voice is pulled out of the equation because that voice is really successful and makes a career move of their own, you know, and the more you win, the more likely your assistant coaches are to get hired away. Your most important, well, we've already seen it with Kokoskov going off to Phoenix, right? And it's, you know, is this going to happen for Johnny Bryant at this some point? Is this going to happen for Alex Jensen? Is this going to happen for other people at some point? We just saw Walt Perrin going to New York. Now, he's not a guy who interacted with the players because he's out scouting for the draft on the road all the time. But you get the point. I think that's important to watch going forward, too. All right, DJ and PK, Greg Hansen, sports columnist of the Arizona Daily Star, joins us next.